Good evening, everyone. Uh, my name is Matt J.F. as in Joint Fellowship, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater who is presently moving from Kentucky to Northern Virginia. And uh, I'm going to start with just a short pause and a prayer. God, I hope that you will guide my words tonight to be what someone needs to hear, even if that someone is me, and that you help keep me present and focused and honest. Amen. Um, so I, I'm, uh, I mentioned I'm a compulsive overeater. I mentioned I'm recovered. Um, I have been abstinent since February 19th of 2019. Uh, no, 25th, February 25th of February 9th, of, of 2019, so a little more than four years. And uh, I finished working the steps out of the big, so that's when I came into the program. Uh, I finished working the steps out of the big book uh, in about October, November of 2019, and I've been recovered ever since, doing my best to live in 10, 11, and 12 every day. I will be honest and say that some days look better than others, um, and that's okay. Uh, I believe that <clears throat> that I have been a compulsive overeater for every moment that I have been alive. Um, my I'm 52 years old. I'm five foot eight uh, inches tall. My top weight was 380 pounds. That was in 2003. That was the year that I had um, Ruin Y gastric bypass surgery, after which I maintained, you know, it fluctuated, but an average sort of 110 pound weight loss until I came into this program at about 270 pounds in 2019. And I'm maintaining at the moment about a, um, about a 35 pound weight loss. Again, it fluctuates, but, um, and, uh, and that's great, right? So, so my, where I am now from my top weight is down, down about 145 pounds. My body is much healthier than it used to be. Um, I will tell you that I would gladly if, so, if I had to choose between um, keeping my weight loss but going back to the way that I was in early February 2019 before I found my way into this program or immediately jumping back up to nearly 400 pounds with all the health problems that would surely ensue but keep my recovery, my, my spiritual position and change and rearrangement, I would not hesitate before choosing the second option. I would gladly weigh 400 pounds again, almost 400 pounds, if I could experience my life moment to moment, day to day, the way that I experience it today instead of the way that I used to. So, my experience of this program has been that it does indeed produce um, a great psychic change 
and emotional displacement and rearrangement the way that is described in our literature. Um, the way that I came into this program, I don't want to dwell on. Um, I, I, I will just say that my experience of life, moment to moment, day to day, week to week, month to month, before I found my way into this program, and especially um, during my, my worst periods with food um, and weight, um, was generally speaking not, not very pleasant and not very comfortable. I was physically uncomfortable almost all of the time. And I had to fly a lot for work sometimes. And I hated that. I hated wedging myself into a seat. I hated having to ask for the seatbelt extender. I hated it. Every, and I hated myself every time. Every time I had to shop for clothes or, God forbid, buy a suit, I hated it and I hated me. Because I thought that this was my fault. I thought the fact that I, there are some foods that once I start, I can't stop and I can't stop from starting. I thought that was my problem to solve. I thought that that was like, I just am not bringing sufficient force of will to bear on this problem because I am apparently a worthless piece of crap. That's how it felt. Now, it, that was not like the top of mind thing for me every day by any stretch, because I don't know how you get through life if that's your top of mind thing. But it was always there. It was always available. It was always there lurking in the background, waiting in the wings, waiting for its moment in the spotlight when the crescendo of evil music would swell up and it would be like, ha, 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 I'm here to remind you that you're a worthless piece of crap. It was always there. What happened um, was that and I, I knew about Overeaters Anonymous. I had people in my life in 12-step recovery. I believed in AA. I believed in the steps as outlined in the big book, even though I didn't know a lot about them. I had seen the change that, that living in 10, 11, and 12 created in the lives of people I cared about. What I thought about Overeaters Anonymous was that at least for me, it was BS. I said that out loud. I did not say BS. I said the what it actually stands for. And the reason was because I didn't think I was one of those people. I did not think step one applied to me. I did not think that I was powerless over food and that my life was unmanageable. I'm sorry, but go F yourself. That's not me. I do not weigh that much. I do not weigh that little. I don't binge and purge. I'm not going to eat until I burst something inside myself. I fit through doorways. I can climb a flight of stairs without having a heart attack. Go F yourself. I had said those things out loud to someone in AA, recovered in AA. So um, what happened was, you know, the big book at one point discusses or mentions the phrase contempt prior to investigation. And in the doctor's opinion, the last line is that um, I believe it's that, that, um, that he, he, may, he comes to scoff, but he may re remain to pray. That's what happened to me. For reasons having nothing to do with weight loss or even 12-step recovery, I, I, I found myself 
thinking that I should listen to a big book step study. It would have been suggested to me based on an idea that I had about a program that I wanted to start at work. So I, I went and searched for, I, I had an unexpected long drive. I was like, perfect, I'll listen to this, this step study on YouTube. So I went to YouTube and I searched big book step study. Just those four words, YouTube, which is owned by Google in its infinite wisdom, immediately and very helpfully in the very first search result position suggested an Overeaters Anonymous big book step study. I was like, here, fat boy, we know this is what you really want. And that's how I found myself listening to an Overeaters Anonymous big book step study on February 23rd of 2019. And I was 20 minutes in and the guy was qualifying and I, I was really not identifying at all with his qualification because he was describing very different experiences that I had not had. And then he said, for me, there are some foods that once I start, I can't stop and I can't stop from starting. And it was all over. I, there was, that would be like, for me to deny that that's me would be like for me to deny that I have brown eyes. You can't see me, but my eyes are brown. And if you were looking straight into my eyes and I said, they're not brown, they're blue, you'd think I was insane. And for me to tell you that for me, there are some foods that once I start, I can't stop and I can't stop from starting to anyone who knew how many times I had tried to stop drinking the soft drink that was my soft drink of choice over the years. I had tried to quit and failed. They would have looked at me like I had just told them my brown eyes were blue, that I was insane. That's how I know I'm a compulsive overeater. It is simply true, and, and that's the simplest way I know to, to know whether I qualify. Is it true or not true that for me, there are some foods that once I start, I can't stop and I can't stop from starting. It is, there is objective evidence to support the answer that it is true. So that's the first half of step one. I'm clearly powerless over some foods. And so then the, but, but then the salient part is the second half, right? We don't spend a lot of time talking about our manageability. And it's not really clear from the big book. It's not explicitly defined, right? And I tend to think of, you know, the, that our lives have become unmanageable. Given the structure of step one, which is those two phrases are separated by a long dash, that those two statements are intended to be semantically the same. They are intended to mean the same thing. And given that step two is came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity, I assume that unmanageability means that my, I'm insane, that my, I'm living my life in a way that is insane. I am, I am denying a thing that is objectively, observably true about me by saying I'm not a compulsive overeater. I'm not powerless over food. So... My experience of, of coming into the program was very sudden. It was, a, it was not only a sudden in terms of time, but it was very abrupt in terms of a shift in direction. My perspective changed very quickly from this program is BS, go F yourself, to uh-oh. And to me, though, the, once that first domino of step one fell, steps two and three were like kind of no-brainers. If it's truly true that I'm powerless over food, 
then I think there are only two possibilities in step two. Either there is a source of power sufficient and sufficiently reliable to enable me to get abstinent and recover, or there's not. And I don't have any way of knowing ahead of time. So, like, I'd rather there was than wasn't, so I guess I'll just assume that there is. Worst case scenario, I'm no worse off than I was before. That was step two for me. It was just like, if step one was I have to stop denying an undeniable truth, step two was I have to admit the irrefutable logic of an irrefutable logical statement. Either there is reason the source of power, and I, okay, I'm just going to choose, yeah, there's one. I'm going to trust that there is one. If there's not, I guess I'm going to be back where I was before. And then step three was just like, what does it really mean to take step three? It means that I start step four. It means that I'm going to trust that whatever that source of power is that I need because I'm powerless, that is sufficient and sufficiently reliable to enable me to get abstinent and work the steps is going to enable me to remain abstinent while I work the steps. Yeah, I feel like I hear people get wrapped around the axle a lot about my daughter being one of them. Um, she was a devout atheist. I was a devout agnostic coming in. Um, <clears throat> she was a devout atheist. And when she heard that I had taken step three, she freaked out. She was not a happy camper. Because to her, that was crazy. She she didn't like not believe in God. To my knowledge, she believed in not a God. And so her dad had just like, who she knew as an agnostic, had just told her he had turned his will and his life over to the care of a higher power that as far as she knew, he didn't believe in. And, um, and I feel like that is a common thing that people get hung up on. That Like, what does it mean? I'm going to turn my will and my life over to the care of a higher power? What is my higher power? I don't even know what it is. We choose our own conception. Conception, the beginning. We just choose to begin and trust that whatever that higher power is, it's going to keep me safe while I look at my character defects and, keep, and, and, and help me to feel safe enough that I don't need to eat. That's all. And that's how I approached the steps. was just like, I didn't know what my higher power was. I suspected there was something I trusted that when it was necessary for me to have a clearer conception, then I guess there's probably something that I would, and that's what happened. And eventually, I took my definition of my higher power straight out of the big book. We finally had to accept the proposition that either God is nothing or else he is everything, and I just chose everything. Because so that made sense to me. And that was my North Star as I felt pulled through the steps by that power greater than myself and worked the steps and recovered. What life is like today? Five-minute reminder? Yeah. So that's that's sort of what happened um, and what I was like. Um, what it's like now, well, you heard me say before that, like, if I had to choose between you know, heck, I'll even go, I'll go lower. I'll go to a theoretically not overweight body mass index number. I don't even know what the number would be. But if I could drop to like, whatever, 180 pounds, let's say, which would be less than I've weighed since I think I was probably 15. But I had to go back to the way that I was before in every other respect. 
or go up to 400 pounds, but keep the head and heart that I have now, I'd keep the head and heart I have now. I'm not sorry no one's asking me to make that choice. I want to be clear. Like, I'm happy I don't have to make that choice, but I know exactly how I would choose. And it's not because life is easier now than it was before. Like, that's, that's the thing that, um, you know, I mentioned that I'm, I'm moving, and I'm also moving in with someone for the second time in my life. For the first time since the late 1990s, mid-1990s, I'm moving in with someone. And my experience of choosing to share my life with someone in that way, compared with what my experience, every experience I've had of ever sharing anything with anyone in the past, pre-recovery, is so dramatically different and better, even though a lot of the time I'm more uncomfortable than I was before, because now I know that discomfort isn't going to kill me. And I know that none of my growth has ever come from comfort. And I know that I can trust in that God that is literally everything, including me, that that means that like, even the things that make me uncomfortable are all supposed to happen, that it's all okay. Even when I'm upset, I'm still okay. I carry my safety with me. I don't need to eat over feelings because I feel unsafe or because I feel like I don't have value because none of that's up to me. I know that I'm okay. And I want to be clear, I'm not proselytizing. I don't have religion. I grew up with no religion. I have no religion now. I'm just explaining what is to me the very real practical benefit of having worked the steps and, and trusted and turned my will and my life over to the care of a higher power that I don't understand. I also say, like, I don't love the phrase higher power because I think it, like, connotes better power which I guess is objectively true in that it's, you know, sufficient and sufficiently reliable to enable me to do a thing that I was never able to do on my own, but like greater power. Like the bar for being a power greater than that is really low. I am really not very important and don't have power over hardly anything. And I'm okay with that now in a way that I never was before. And that's what I mean by feeling like I, I know that it's all okay. Even when I'm horrified by something that I think is happening, I'm still okay. And I know that even when I feel afraid, that doesn't mean that the source of power greater than myself that enables me to remain absent and recovered has gone anywhere. Because it's everything. Where would it go? Would it depart everything? Would I? I've never been outside everything. So I guess in closing, I know I've got about 30 seconds left. Um, what I would say is this, if you're new or you're relapsed and returned or struggling in the program or wondering if this program is for you, um, the only thing I can tell you is what I wish someone would have said to me, which is 
the only one who can know if you're a compulsive overeater is you. And if you're rigorously honest with yourself, you'll know. If for me, there were some foods that once I started, I couldn't stop and I couldn't stop from starting, that's the definition. And if that's true, if I'm being rigorously honest, then I'm a compulsive overeater. Not a bad person, just a flawed person. And that if if you do what I did, which was just take the, I guess, let's see what happens. I'm not going to worry about doing this right. I'm not even going to worry about doing it. I'm just going to do it and see what happens. Then maybe you will find this program works That's for you kind. the way that it worked for me. And with that, I will pass. Thank you very much.